Before we begin today, can I ask you a small favor? Right now, just stop what you're doing. Can I ask you please to subscribe to the show? Just click on subscribe. It costs you absolutely nothing and means the world to me because it helps people just like you and me to find the show. There are lots and lots, in fact, thousands of podcasts out there and podcast platforms like Apple and Stitcher and Spotify, whichever platform you listen to podcasts on, they need to know exactly which shows to recommend to people just like you and me. So clicking on subscribe confirms that the show is of interest to you. It doesn't do anything else and helps people to know exactly what shows to listen to. And of course, if you're a trainer and if this is something you're listening to for the first time, just think of the length of time it's taken you to find the show. By clicking on subscribe right now, you'll be doing me a massive favor in helping people, other trainers, just like you and me, all around the world. Today's guest is Trevor Reagan of Train Ugly. And Trevor, in fact, was proposed by a listener to the show. And he said to me, why don't you have this guy on the show? His name is Trevor Reagan. He's doing some amazing stuff on YouTube. And I can see why. Trevor's content is fantastic. Trevor has almost single-handedly built a brand around the topics of learning and growth mindset. He's worked with clients such as Pepsi, Ferrari, Microsoft, and the United Nations. He's given hundreds of talks in prisons and schools and thousands of workshops and keynotes. But how does he win clients and why does he have two brands in the marketplace? I have lots of questions and we're going to cover all of these things and more in the next 30 minutes. This is episode 114 of the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Hi, my name is Mark. I'm the host of the Training Business Podcast. This is the weekly show for people like you, for freelance trainers, for training business owners, for training consultants all around the world, people like you, people like me. And the goal of this show is to help people like you and me by creating the kinds of content that help people like you and me to start to grow and to scale a profitable training business. There's an episode of the show every single Thursday produced by me, and I'd love to know what you think of the show. You can drop me a line, mark at trainingbusiness.com. I'd love to know exactly what you find value in. And of course, if there are things you'd like me to change, if you've got guests in mind or books you've read or even topics you think would be valuable to people in the training business, I'd love to hear from you. Trevor, my guest today, told me that this is not a typical interview. And my response was great because what I want to do is to put myself and you as a listener in his shoes. What does he sell? Why has he built the kind of training business he has developed? What does growth mindset mean to him? Why does Trevor have two brands simultaneously? Why does he make long form video essays? And how well are these doing? And I've got lots more questions besides. Lots and lots of learning in this next 30 minutes. Trevor, hi, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, so where are you right now? I'm in Iowa, and it's cold and it's snowing. It's cold and snowing. Okay, you have my sympathy. It's uh, wet, dark, and miserable here, but uh, I guess that's <laughs> winter time. I so, guess so. <laughs> so we talked before this recording, and you said that it sounded like not the typical interview for 
the, the kind of interviews you get, which is great because the goal of this really is more of a practitioner podcast. The people listening to this are people starting a training business, growing a training business, and maybe scaling a training business. So thinking of, of how you began, how did you come to start a training business? Because you, when we first spoke, talk about, talked about um, you graduating school, you had an interest in sports and learning, and you perhaps saw a crossover between those two things. And you gave yourself two years to, to kind of make or break in the training business. What happened next? Yeah, I I guess it was kind of a long journey and it's easy to look backwards and act like you knew what you were doing. And most of the time, that's not the case. I think it's easy to see how the dots connect. But when you're in the middle of it, um, I I didn't necessarily have like a three-step plan to creating a business. Um, So for me, I kind of fell into it. I think phase one was finding something that was interesting to me. And that was the topic of learning and at first it was kind of sports related, but it graduated like past that quickly. I think phase two was like, okay, if I do want to create a business around this, I think that creating a following is the most important thing. Um, I read a couple articles, read some Seth Godin, and was pretty much sold on like, we have to develop the tribe. And so that was kind of the two-year commitment I gave myself. I had some money saved up from some other jobs that I did. And I was like, I'm going to spend two years producing with the sort of North Star of through that content production, I'm going to try to create a tribe and then we'll see what happens. And so that worked. I, I developed a following, but I didn't really know how to monetize. I didn't know what to do with it. And then that kind of hit me in the face. Like groups started to reach out like, hey, we love your blog. We love your video. Uh, we love your videos can you come like do in-person trainings? And like, that wasn't even an option on my radar. And I just started saying yes. And that was like seven years ago. And that sustained me for seven years doing trainings based off the, the audience that we've developed through producing content. So you decided what uh, is it you're passionate about? Uh, sports, learning, growth mindset, and you built content around that. And in turn, that attracted people, formed a tribe. And then in a way that revealed itself to you in terms of how to monetize it, how to sell to it, what kind of training products to build. Sure. And I, I, I think phase one, it's easy to get caught up on like, oh, am I passionate about this, passionate about that? I, I truly believe that some people have some like passions that they could pursue and other times we build our passion. And so I picked an area that I was curious about and then the passion was built over time. It's like, I was curious about learning and performance. Most people are. But once you like dip your foot into that pool and see like, oh, these topics are interesting and you start to develop momentum, I became more and more passionate about it. So we don't have to spend so much time like finding our passion when most of us don't actually have one at the moment, but we can build a passion around a project. And the best thing to do is just get some momentum, get started. We should pick an area that's that like we have some curiosity towards, but if we're not totally passionate, that's okay. That can And of course, what makes it a business is that people are willing to, to pay for your content, uh, to have you train them, to have you develop them. So you're synonymous with a brand, Train Ugly, which is a marriage of two things, motor learning and growth mindset. So you talk about things like sleep and storytelling, reflection, being resilient, being uncomfortable, learning to be uncomfortable. Why does that resonate with you? 
Well, so the big picture, what I'm doing, and and we kind of went through a rebrand about a year and a half ago. So the new website is called The Learner Lab. And the the big goal is we want to figure out the tools that can help people become great learners. What are those tools? Now, obviously, there's a lot of things, but if you go through the research for long enough and have enough conversations and think about it enough, you start to see there's some like really foundational things that you have to get right if you want to get better at getting better. And so over time, we started to recognize those foundational things. And that's where we really placed our biggest bets. It's like, I want to triple down on those things. And I want to be like the website and the guy if you're curious about those foundational topics. So I think you said you want, you want, to, own, you want to own learning. Yeah, I want, that to, I want that to be my corner. It's like, look, there's a lot of corners you could be in. There's a lot of people that talk about performance, but I want it, it's like, I want the name Learner Lab or Trevor Reagan to be synonymous with learning and development. It's like, that's, uh, I think, my best fit. That's the part that I'm most interested in. And that's the part where I've uh, had the conversations with people way smarter than me. And I think we have a pretty good message in that corner that resonates with people. Right. So talking about making this now from something you're interested in and talk about into a business, you work with sports teams, you've delivered content, uh, talks, keynotes to schools, corporates like the United Nations, PepsiCo, Ferrari, Microsoft. When did you begin to recognize, hey, this has got commercial potential, there's a demand in the marketplace, I know what this is, I can actually make money from content, from learning content, from training people? I think it started like the first group that reached out was an education uh, like conference. And they're just like, hey, can you come do a keynote? I didn't know what to charge. I didn't really think much of it. I was just like, okay, I'm going to like give the best keynote ever. And the, the surprising part for me is that that keynote led to like 35 more engagements within the next like four months in the area. And so the spider web effect the, the word of mouth when it comes to doing training like this is so underrated, especially if you're giving a talk at a conference where, okay, this conference was like administrators from a lot of schools, and then they wanted me to go work with their schools. And I had no idea that that was going to happen. I was like, yeah, maybe I'll give like this talk and a couple others, but it led to like 30. And once that hit, I was like, oh my goodness, like that's enough right there to like make a profit this year. And what would happen if we did a couple more of those keynotes in different areas, in different industries? And so that was kind of the big aha moment for me. I didn't recognize the potential until I did the first keynote and then like the demand for more and how uh, like that word of mouth started to spread was shocking. And then the other one, the other kind of aha moment for me is a lot of the big name corporations Obviously, they're not like connected to this education conference in Iowa. Like, there's really no word of mouth there. Like, they're not talking to Ferrari. The big corporations were finding my content on YouTube, they were finding my blogs and articles. And so, that was the, I guess, the second aha moment is like, oh, wow, Ferrari, Microsoft, PepsiCo, they reach out and they go, oh, we love this article, we love this video do you do in-person trainings? And it was like, yeah, of course. And so that second aha moment was like, wow, my content is like, in a way, creating leverage and doing the marketing for me 
Let's double down on that. And I think that one-two punch of being really good so the word of mouth spreads and then making really good content so when people find it, they want more and they reach out to you. And so that was kind of the one-two punch that I've been using for seven, eight years now. So who was reaching out to you? And the reason I ask this is because I think um, when selling things like training, we've got to be very clear on what the, the business need, what is the challenge that an organization faces, which causes them to say, we need someone to upskill our people on X. So what, what challenges were they facing such that they felt this is something you can help them with? So I kind of got lucky there. One is there's this big topic right now called growth mindset. And in a way, it's kind of watered down and sometimes people miss the point. But for the most part, people are on board with the concept and that it's very important. Luckily for me, like I kind of was early to the party on that topic and started creating a lot of video content around there. So if you search growth mindset on YouTube, I have like the first three videos. And so a lot of the groups that were reaching out to me were from the growth mindset funnel. They know that that topic's important. They stumbled into my stuff and then they reach out. And then the other most common topic is something around agility, adaptability, or resilience. It's like that and growth mindset are the big things people are looking for when they reach out to me. Uh, and that being said, like we have more things that kind of round out the message, but that, those are the two things that definitely get our foot in the door. Were these HR people, or were they people in, in particular business, parts of the business that, that felt this could actually help them and their people? Honestly, it was a mix, but it was mostly like leaders. It was uh, leaders of a captive audience. So it's like, I know this topic is good. I have a group of people. Let's do a workshop for them. Um, so that was it, it, like there was a range around like the type of group, sales, HR. But the, the most common was someone in a leadership role understanding the value of something like this and spending the time and money to set it up for their people. And you mentioned that uh, initially you had no idea what to charge, which is, of course, a common problem people have. You know, hey, there's a need for this. Um, I think there's a training product I can develop, but I haven't the first clue how to how to charge, how to price this, what to charge. Yeah, it's so hard. After my first talk, the person in charge, she came up to me and she's like, oh, that was so good. Uh, your price should be like four times what it was. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and so... I'm not going to act like I have a framework for that. It's been kind of trial and error. I just like push it up, push it up, push it up. Um, and that's kind of like the way that I've been doing it since the start. So Train Ugly, of course, is a long-term brand. It's been there for a while. You mentioned you're going through a slow rebrand, so migrating to, to Learner Lab. Um, so training or Train Ugly is great for SEO. Obviously, this is what search engines like Google Prize is not just content, but longevity. How long is that content there? How often are people engaging with this? What on earth then made you feel it's time for a different brand in parallel? Learner Lab, the Learner Lab. What, what prompted you to start this and how did you validate this concept? A few things. One, I think Train Ugly was a great name for where we started because we were mostly focused on like sports and like practice design, in which case Train Ugly is a good name. Over time, we started to gravitate away from just sports and practice design to learning as a whole. Now, understanding the principles of Training Ugly, which is essentially just 
how to incorporate more difficulty into practice to get more progress. That is a pillar of what we talk about now, but there's much more to it. So I think the Learner Lab is a better descriptor of what it is we do. Um, obviously, Trainably, it, it is a solid brand in the world of sports. Uh, we do get quite a bit of traffic on the website, but I think I'm playing the long game here. Like I'm going to do this until I die. And even though it's been a slow rebrand, I think it's the right thing. And then the other way I think about it would be if you were researching a topic, say you were the leader of a group uh, and you were like, okay, how do I help my group uh, receive feedback better or get better at giving feedback? And you search that. Yeah, great point. And two articles come up and one is by Train Ugly and one is by the Learner Lab. I'm probably clicking Learner Lab. And, and so obviously it's going to take some time to get it up to where the Train Ugly website is getting with traffic, but I think it's the right move long term. Um, and I, I keep Train Ugly up. We funnel some of the traffic to the new site. Obviously there's a little bit of confusion, but I don't really care. It's like, I know over time we're going to be fine with this. Yeah, it's about having real estate. So when people look for particular things that uh, the, the the search engines uh, return content that you've produced on that topic, because it sounds like um, the the long form videos or long form video essays, as you call them, this seems to have been the kind of the basis for your for your brand for your success. What what do you think for for the benefit of people listening? What are the rules of making high quality content? that attracts people into the sales funnel and gets them to engage with you? Just curious. That's a really good question. And I think about that a lot. I don't think there's like, again, like a color by numbers approach to this, but I think different is good. I think because of like the movement right now, we know that it's important to crank out content, but because like kind of everyone's copying everyone, it all kind of looks the same. It's That's like, true. yeah, we all, we all post the same long-form article on LinkedIn or whatever it may be. So I didn't know it at the time, but the video was a great way to kind of stamp our like corner of that industry early. It's like, whoa, no one was doing stuff like that at the time. Like basically because of my previous career and jobs, I like got good at video production and not great, but like good enough to be dangerous where I could work with After Effects and make things move around and make it look cool. And so I saw the power of that in like the corporate world, like explainers or like people would use that to like explain a particular topic within an organization. And so I was like, well, why aren't we using that same approach to teach people? Why are like most of these videos online that are education-based super boring with like no animation, no production? And so I just kind of married the two. It's like, we're going to find great content. We're going to find great principles, but I'm going to teach it and produce it in a way that is engaging. And I think that was a huge move that we made early on because it was so different. Now, obviously more people are doing video content, but I would say rule number one is find a way to stand out. You can stand out by being different and you can stand out by being really freaking good. And so like, those are two things that I think about a lot. It's like, I want our stuff to be so good that it stands out. And then I'm down to get creative and kind of experiment maybe with some different platforms, different strategies to make our content kind of stand out from the crowd. So those are things I think about. And then a, a kind of a lucky thing early on, or maybe 
maybe a little aha moment I had early was at first I was writing articles, like that's how I started with this, with sharing. And I'd write these long essays and I would get done with it and send it out to our newsletter. And then I wouldn't even read the whole article because it was so long and boring. So it's like, wait, I'm expecting my followers to like read this 20 minute article, but I won't even do it. And so then that was like the, the origin of the video. I was like, well, how would I like to consume something like this? Well, I'd like it to be a little bit shorter. I'd like it to be visual. I want it to stimulate some senses. I want there to be music. I want there to be stuff I can look at. Let's make a video. And so honestly, as far as turning points in my company, that first video, I made it around some growth mindset topic. It didn't go like viral, viral, but for me, it went viral where I went from hundreds of people reading my articles to the, the first video I made was like six minutes long and it got up to like 200,000 views in a month. And that changed my followers that, and then from there it was just like, uh, okay, yeah, that experiment worked. We're going to be making more videos now. <laughs> and so that was kind of my rule moving forward. It's like, if you could write it, if you just spend another week, you could make a cool video about it. And so that was kind of the bet that we placed and then it hit. And then I just decided to double down. And of course, there's a time and a place for some writing. I still write some articles every once in a while. But for the big topics that matter, we're either going to do a podcast or a video about it. And, and of course, they're not short. Um, so reading, there is, of course, some research on this in terms of what people will do with particular forms of content. Perhaps people's attention span is shorter when it comes to reading. Um, they say that um, the the length of time that someone engages with a podcast episode is significantly longer than maybe something short form li- like an article, uh, because people's listening time is longer. People can listen to an hour of podcasting or some kind of interview, um, and of course, video because it's it's auditory and it's visual. It's more engaging. Um, you can you can reinforce points through a range of of uh, techniques. So that, that obviously was a learning curve, but the videos in question aren't short. I mean, yours are 20 minutes in length on average. So that's a key thing, isn't it? That um, it's about producing not just a video for the sake of a video, it's what goes into that video, the length of the video, keeping people with eyes on that video. So what do you think are the components that achieve that? So this is great. Uh, I think it's the way you just laid it out is brilliant, and I kind of want to uh, underline it. So article, podcast, video. There's strengths and weaknesses to each. The strength of the article is I could write one right now and post it tomorrow. Obviously, it's not the most engaging, but if it's something short and punchy, I could get it out into the wild soon and like kind of test it and see how my audience responds. Podcast, you have a little more wiggle room, like you said, the listening time, because people can listen and do other things. So on their drive, on a walk, doing laundry. So you have more time to explore a topic in depth. You get a little more flexibility. I think the upside of the video, obviously, it's you're stimulating more senses. You can hear, you can see, and you can generate more engagement that way. But for me, I think the video is the most shareable. And obviously you can share a podcast with a friend, but the way I think about how people use our videos, and I didn't understand this until like just a couple years ago is 
say our video gets 100,000 views, it's a little deceptive because a lot of those views, come to find out, are a teacher will show our video to their class. And that is awesome. It's like, ooh, you're starting to create tools that leaders are using to share with their people. And so now this one view is actually 30 views. And I don't think people do that with podcasts very much. Like if you're like in charge of a group, you're not going to be like, all right, let's sit in this room for the next hour and listen to a podcast. <laughs> like that's not happening. You might send them a link, but the video, you kind of get that captive audience sharing. And so I really like that. And, and also the reason our videos are long is because they're not teasers. It's not like here's a teaser video, but to get the real answer, sign up for my course. It's like, <laughs> it's like, if you watch this, and I know a lot of people won't, most people probably won't make it through, but a big chunk of our audience is a captive audience, so they have to watch it. If you watch this whole thing, you're going to get a beginning, middle, and end. You're going to get some applications on this, uh, on this topic. Of course, there's more to explore, but it's going to be, there'll be a payoff. It's not just a tease. And so that's kind of the approach that we do with the, the videos and the podcasts. It's like, none of this is really teasing. It's here is a thing that matters and here is why it matters and here is how you can use it. It's like, that's kind of our framework to creating content. So people know when they watch your content, they're going to get some kind of answer, some solution. It's not just entertainment. Yep. I'd say I call them essays because that's kind of what it is. It's like, I'm going to bring in some research. I'm going to tell some stories. I'm going to get to applications. Like it's a well-rounded piece of work, not just like the tip of the iceberg on something. And did that take a while to build up the confidence to be fluid and fluent and confident on, on camera? Yeah. And it was just, it was definitely not something I was naturally good at. I'm naturally super shy and, um, not very comfortable in front of cameras or people, but because of the sickening amount of workshops that I've done. It's like, I just got, I got really like the workshops have been the best at making me better because early on, a lot of the workshops are with kids. It's like, look, if you can explain some of these topics to a seventh grader, you could explain it to anyone. And if you can engage them and hold their attention, you can, you can hold anyone's attention. And so I think the quality of our videos has improved, not only because I've like learned more about like the tools and the production side, but just the way I communicate light years ahead of just a few years ago. I see some of our old videos and I just want to cry. It's like, oh my goodness, I'm yelling. Uh, I'm trying to use words that are big so I sound smart. And now if you look at like the videos we're, we're about to put out, it's like, it's very calm. It's conversational. We're using universal language. And that's just sort of a skill that's been... Uh, sharpened over the past few years of just getting a ridiculous amount of reps, teaching this stuff to people from all walks of life. Like I've presented in prisons. We've worked with major leagues, baseball teams, like you name it. Um, But because of all that practice of teaching stuff, I think that comes through in the videos. It it comes across as like uh, very accessible and understandable because of the practice. So everything you've said so far is, is stuff you're doing. So it's just you in the business um, but you've got some help and you've also said you've, ma- you've maxed out obviously with COVID right now, we're restricted in terms of what we can do and, and how we can interact with people, but you've done a ton of workshops. 
what is the plan to make this sustainable in this new normal where people might not have as much of a desire for on-site face-to-face workshops, but they still want your content? Sure. So I think I hit the ceiling for how many in-person workshops I could do like a year ago or maybe two years ago. And then I did it another year and was like exhausted. There is no way I could have done more than I did. And so already coming into uh, 2020, I was like, I have to figure something else out. And then COVID hits and it kind of forced me into like, well, we have to figure out how to do this virtually. And so luckily for me, most of the groups that I work with and had scheduled, we just transferred instead of an in-person workshop, we did it virtually. Now that allows me a little bit higher of a ceiling because without travel, uh, like doing a workshop just takes a couple hours versus a couple days. So now my ceiling's a bit higher, but I think that would be trying to optimize for the wrong goal. I don't think my goal should just be like, how many workshops can I squeeze into a year? Now, for the people listening, I think one part of my story that might be valuable is I don't have a massive following. I think our email list is like cruising at about 20,000, maybe a little higher. That's not huge. Like a lot of people have way bigger followings than that. But our following is built from people that trust us and that's been built over time. And I, and that provides more than enough money and opportunities for me to sustain myself. And that's awesome. So you don't have to have a huge following to create a sustainable business. I truly believe that. It's much smaller than we know. So rather than focusing on like maybe the size of the following, it's good to think about how tight the tribe is, how tight the following is, how much they trust you, how like much excitement are you generating. And with a relatively small following that's excited, I think you can create a sustainable business. Now, Obviously, I said earlier, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And so the next step is, okay, I could keep doing this and I could ride this out forever. But I'm always curious about like, well, how could we do it better? How could we grow it a little bit more? And so the next phase of the company is trying to find that solution. And so we have a couple of experiments we're about to pilot uh, around creating digital content that people can engage with, not like a course but something that like a leader of a group could take and then they could teach our material to their people. So I'll create the videos, I'll create the content, but then the leader actually fosters the discussion. So it's sort of like a one-two punch. Um, and I think that might work. I don't know for sure. We're going to run some experiments in pilot. Um, but I, I think if I could figure out some way to do that, it's going to be a big uh, sort of step forward in the right direction for the company. So almost creating tools which enable people to achieve business objectives within the organization thanks to your content. Right. So it's, there's two, I think it's not like a course where they send the link and then like no one finishes the course. It's, and it's also not like, here's a 150 page PDF of all of our stuff. Here you go. Teach it to your people. It's like, no, no, no. Our, the way we teach it and the content that we teach and the way we produce it is killer. Let me take care of that. 
but you know your people and you know their strengths and weaknesses and you know how to connect with them and, and foster the discussion. So let me explain this topic in like seven minutes through this video and then you can have the discussion with your people. So that like that one, two punch, I kind of like that fit and I could be completely wrong. But uh, uh, that's the bet that we're we're making moving forward. I look I look forward to hearing more about that because that does sound like it makes a lot of sense, particularly given the size of the operation. It sounds exciting, actually. I think that the customer will have fewer customers that way. I think if you wanted the most customers, it would be like, "Yep, it's a course. All you have to do is send your people to it. I'll take care of everything." This this sort of middle ground approach it puts more responsibility on the shoulders of the organization of the leader like they need to kind of spend the time to take their people through it but the upside the upside is it's a captive audience they can go at their own speed and they can spend time on the areas that they think are the most relevant because they know that better than me and so it took me a long time to kind of come up with that thesis but that's where I'm at, and that's been like the big project I've been hammering away at uh, during COVID. And we're actually sending the first uh, test run out into the wild in like a month. And so we'll see how it goes. Like I said, I could be completely wrong, but to me, it seems like a kind of a unique angle as far as providing like digital content to groups. So 2021 is an exciting year. It's going to be a, a bunch of, of lessons and, and, and new ground. It could be like really exciting or it could be like, <laughs> what? We were super wrong on that. Uh, I don't know what we we're going to do, but uh, I feel good about it, actually. I think it makes sense. And even I'm going to start off in the corporate world, but just think about the education world. Like what if a, a, a high school teacher could show a five minute video once a week to their to their students? that's really well produced and engaging and then have a conversation for five minutes after it. Like that's awesome. And so it, it and it's, it's specifically designed for that. And I, I don't know, could, it could be the home run shot. It could be maybe not as big as that, but I like experimenting. I like thinking about a problem for a long time and then putting it out into the wild and testing it and see what happens. And so I'm super excited to see what happens with this one. It's a lab. It's a learner lab, isn't it? You don't know until you try it. Yeah. So I look forward to hearing about that home run in 21. But until then, thank you, Trevor, for being our guest today on the show. No problem. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. My thanks to Trevor today. Thank you for your time, Trevor. And of course, for speaking to me on several occasions over the past couple of weeks. And thanks to you, our listeners. Thank you for your time today. There are many episodes out there of many, many podcasts, many wonderful podcasts. I know this because I listen to them too, but you've chosen to give your time to listen to this one today. And for that, I'm grateful. As I said to you at the beginning of the show, can I ask you also to subscribe because this helps to put the show in the hands of more listeners who will find value in this content. If you've got some great ideas for episodes and content, I'm sure you do. I'd love you to email me directly. I will respond personally. And my email address is mark at trainingbusiness.com. Please keep those emails coming. They are received and read by me personally, and I respond to them individually. My email address again is mark at trainingbusiness.com. There's a fresh episode of the show next Thursday on your podcast platform of choice. Again, please subscribe. And those platforms include Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and many, many more. So until next time, next Thursday, when I look forward to your company, please look after yourself and your loved ones. 
Until then, take care. Bye for now. Thanks once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.